Hello, hello. This is Audrey, um, and this is day three of my 30-day dash throughout the New Testament. Um, so thank you for tuning into another day with her. Um, and to my one listener out there, I don't know if it's <laughs> one consistent individual or if the only other two episodes I've posted has been two separate individuals, but to my one person, <laughs> shout out to you for listening. Um, you didn't have to, but yeah. So if you made it through the entirety of both of those episodes, um, just know like you're probably my favorite person in the entire world. I just don't know your name or what you look like, but you're my favorite. So love you. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, today I am looking at um, chapter 16 through 22 of Matthew, which I thought that like as the days go on that the reading wouldn't be like so annoying to kind of just sit through. Like it's almost tedious to do this. Um, but... That just means I need to push myself because, A, I'm not reading enough gen period in my life um, if sitting through six chapters is tedious. Um, and then two, it just is like, it gives me more of a motivation because I just talk crap to myself. Like, girl, you can't sit down and read six chapters. But honestly, I read it at like six in the morning today. Um, I'm on lunch, even though I'm unemployed. I'm on lunch though. Like I have a, I have a set schedule, like a toddler. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, 16 through 22 is again about like Jesus and his works, um, and him moving throughout this area. Um, and like some of the parables and messages he's given, um, and in 16 through 22 though, Jesus predicts his death twice um, to his disciples. So it's very clear that we're getting closer and closer to the persecution of Jesus Christ. Um, and so like the story's kind of picking up, not so much really. It's just a whole lot of talking, honestly. And <laughs> like, sometimes that would be my complaint when I read through the old Testament as well. Like, it's just a lot of talking and like, it may seem unnecessary, but in all honesty, none of it is unnecessary because of how much people don't take the time to learn and listen. Um, sorry, I just honestly have my notebook open, but and my Bible open, but like I haven't touched it since six in the morning, so I'm trying to flip the pages. <laughs> um, so yeah, all right. So in um, chapter sixteen, the very first thing that I notice is he's talking to um, the leaders or the religious leaders of um, Israel. And they are asking him um, to perform like a miraculous or show a miraculous sign um, to prove his worth and his authority and like who he is, right? And I thought like, how great <laughs> because this is like i just didn't know that jesus or other influential religious founders um were saying the same things i've been saying since i was like 12 <laughs> 
Um, and so like his response was that you can easily predict um, the signs of the weather to like go ahead and say it's going to be a rainy day or it's going to be snowy today. It's going to be pretty hot and there's going to be a drought. You can easily predict the signs of the weather, um, but you don't know how to interpret like the signs of the time. So he was pretty much saying there's no need for me to perform this miraculous this, there's no need for him to do this miraculous thing because there are already signs that are pointing to um, the Messiah or the coming Messiah or that he has already come. Um, and like the signs are pointing to like what the climate would be, um, like the cultural, uh, social, political climate would be at this time if only the people paid attention um, to the word of God and to the messages he's already delivered and to the signs he's already put out for those who know or those who are looking for them. Um, Seek and you shall find, right? (laughs) But it was very interesting to me how Jesus pretty much just said, "You you can do all of this. You can read the clouds, which you literally know nothing about, but you can spend all of this time and read the clouds and the patterns and all of these things to predict the weather, but you can't um, look at other people or the social climate to predict the times that you're in, right? Um, And I just love that because like when I was a kid, so when I was a kid, of course, I got like super brainwashed into the propaganda of religion. And it doesn't matter which religion it is, everyone kind of gets brainwashed into it that like, your religion has all of the answers and um, there's nowhere else to seek for answers outside of your religion. Um, And when I was a kid, I used to hate science class and like scientists and people who just put all of their faith into science um, because nine times out of 10, these are also people who denounce any kind of religion um, because they have so much belief in science. And so if you just go deep into any scientific theory or law, like at a certain point, you're going to get to um, pretty much scientists just chalking it up. Like we don't know, like we can't know any more than this at this uh, point in time. And like, that's so satisfying to people. Like you have these big theorems and philosophies about life and creation and people and humanity and da 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 And yet like at the bottom of all of these huge theories and scientific laws and things that are assumed to be truth, like universal truths, um, at the bottom of it all is just like, yeah, these are just, it's really just one big assumption. Like we don't actually know. Like what? That's not satisfying to me. So when I was a kid, I used to just denounce everything scientific. Like, yeah, your science says that, but like, how did your scientists get that through the laws that God has already um, set in place. And pretty much this is it. Like I was, I would say like, so you're telling me that if I pray and I feel as though God answers me, I'm a fool and I am just a sheep, a sheeple. Um, (laughs) What's just a single, like, you know, the term (laughs) people are sheeple or whatever. What's like a single, um, a sherpson, <laughs> a sheepson. That's what I was, I guess. Um, and so I don't know. I just really appreciated that because it gives more validity to my beliefs and my belief systems 
um, through like an ancient kind of lens. Um, and again, that goes like with like my whole belief that the times really haven't changed. Um, we're not having any different conversations that haven't already been had. We aren't experiencing anything that hasn't already been experienced. Like we are just so caught up and so <sighs> narcissistic um, to assume that we are completely different from these people in the past. And we're not. And like the more that I read, whether it's the Bible or something from an apologetic or like some ancient edict from a king. Like, it doesn't matter. The more that I read um, ancient texts, the more that I've come to understand that we are literally still in the same spot. Like, we haven't changed. We haven't moved. We haven't done anything differently. Um, and it's pretty sad, but it's also kind of inspiring. Like, if you can see that we are not <laughs> shaping a better future because we are still living in the actions of our past, um, then we can also learn or think more critically about how to better move forward um, in the future in producing the kinds of society and world that we want to live in. Um, and so I really just appreciate that. Anyways, that was like my first rant, right? <laughs> um, and then if you go on in chapter 16, Jesus asks his disciples, or wait, before we get to the disciples part, yeah, it's not really important. Um, so never mind. We'll get to the disciples. So Jesus asks his disciples, um, who is it that you say that I am or that you believe me to be? And um, Peter is the, the disciple who says that, like, he's the son of God, um, that he has, like, he's the coming Messiah. And so for one, I found it interesting because up until this point, Jesus has only referred to himself as the son of man. Um, and so I guess through his actions and the way that he interacted with people, um, the title son of God was ascribed to him, but not something that he personally identified as. So that's pretty interesting um, to kind of get into like the dichotomy of Christianity today and our belief systems and how of how Jesus thought, of who Jesus thought he was. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but if you go on further, like Jesus blesses Peter, right? And he says, whatever it is that you um, allow on earth, so shall it be. Whatever you forbid on earth, it will be forbidden. Um, and then like a little bit further, um, Jesus is talking about his death the first time he predicts his death and Peter, like all of the disciples are saddened by this and they are like, what the heck are you talking about, bro? Like, no, you're not about to die. And Jesus, well, Peter comes out as having just been blessed, having just been told if you for forbid these things on earth, then it will be forbidden. Um, so he was just told this and then he his direct response which would probably be my response as well is that no jesus i forbid this and so like it would probably be his assumption that since he said that he forbids this thing to happen um that it won't happen and so they'll be able to live and talk and move with jesus for a little bit longer but Jesus automatically is just like, back up, bro. Like, not even back up, bro. Like, he calls him Satan. And my one question is, why is he Satan? Is Peter 
does Jesus say, get away from me, Satan? Because he recognizes that Satan is only a agent of temptation um, and like this heavenly accuser. Um, does he call him Satan because Peter is tempting him with an alternative way of thinking? Um, because he says, like, you're a trap, you're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. So, like, in my thinking, it's it's kind of it, uh, it's not alarming, but it like just stood out to me that he called him Satan. But then having learned the things that I've learned, um, whether in school or whether just reading through the Bible, I'm now thinking that he only referred to Peter as Satan because Peter was tempting him with a different way of thinking that was outside of God's will and plan for Jesus's life. Um, but I'm not sure. Like, and these are the, these are the times when like actual discussions would be helpful. But <laughs> every time, like, if it's outside of the academic world, every time I've tried to have these kinds of discussions, like people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, why don't you understand? Or they don't want to have the conversations because they're not religious. Um, or it's just like they feel as though they already know so much that like these small questions aren't necessary or they've never considered them themselves because they've literally just gone through the same process that I did where you're getting a blanket story of the facts and not actually diving deep into it. So maybe they've never considered it. Um, but these would be the times when like having actual discussions um, without the religious context, they would be cool. Because um, I think it's important. Like I can't I, I can't come to the decision if I believe in God and I'm a Christian and I believe in this message, if the only way you're talking to me is under the umbrella of, yep, this is all completely right. It's There's nothing to be critical about. Don't question the text at all. It is what it is. Like I can't come to informed decisions in that way. Um, and so I guess this is the only option I have for now, which is okay. Um, and... Then we go forward. We're in chapter 17. Um, he, Jesus has this whole scene where he's talking to Elijah and Moses, I think. Um, yeah, they come to speak with him or whatever, but Jesus has to be transfigured. So he like is changed. What does it say? As the men watched, Jesus's appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Um, and that is verse two of chapter 17. And um, I think that's interesting because his humanly or earthly appearance um, clearly was not um, good enough to be in the presence of these now heavenly beings. Um, and <laughs> I, th I think that's um, just something to consider. Like, when you want to be in these rooms with specific people um, or be presented with these certain opportunities or have these kinds of, or whatever kinds of conversations that you want to have, um, how is it that you're presenting yourself, right? <laughs> um, and that really struck with me because I'm in this phase where I'm trying to get more professional jobs. I just came out of being a server um, and I don't think it's fair to have to go back and serve tables for $2.13 an hour in the middle of a pandemic while the customers don't have to wear masks. Like I'm 
putting my life at risk, I think. Um, so I don't think it's fair to have to go and wait tables. However, the availability of other jobs is pretty slim. Um, so the jobs that I have applied for, like as far as like moving me along my career path, um, they require you to be more business-like in your appearance. And since I've been a waitress for the last, I don't know, five years of my life, um, I haven't had the need to present myself 100% in an entirely professional manner. So a lot of my clothing is um, like clothing to go out and to hang out with my friends. Um, even down to the way that I do my hair um, is something more casual, something that's more um, approachable and not presentable, if you get what I mean. Um, and so I am now at this point in my life where I have to um, reimagine the way that I present myself to others. Um, and it's not in, like I have to reimagine and it's crazy hard. I'm super excited to do this. Um, but like, that's exactly what Jesus had to do. <laughs> um, he could not present himself um, to these heavenly beings in the in the in his traditional earthly appearance. Um, so that was just really interesting and stood out to me. Um, and then if you go on a little further, um, Jesus is clearly getting annoyed by these people. Like the further you get into um, his work and the message, messages that um, he spoke to people, he is clearly getting annoyed with the people living in these areas in which he's moving about. Um, so in verses 14 through 20, he heals this boy who's possessed by um, some demons or a demon. Um and first of all, possession is crazy in the ancient world. Like, do people, are people possessed like that anymore? Like, is Satan or these demonic forces, are they so concerned with people anymore? Because I just feel like possession, like this is a common occurrence back in the day. And so it's either, what did they consider possession to be? Like, I know that like, if you had leprosy, some people thought it was because you were inflicted with demons. If you, um were disabled, you had a demonic possession. If your tongue was tied, demonic possession. Like, um, and so either we, the, the concept of possession has been more geared towards like only demonic possession or the ancient thinking process of what it was to be possessed is completely separate from what we believe it to be today. Um, my mind is just spinning, right? Like, I love it. <laughs> um, and so the famous um, faith of a mustard seed verses here. Um, but I finally came to a point of understanding, like, this is a, a super important sermon in churches. Like, if only you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Like, I remember being taught this at six. However, I was not taught... Um, let's see, did I write a note on it? Uh, yeah, so I did not fully understand that these people were faithless and Jesus was annoyed with them because he was only performing these miracles to show people what was possible with having complete and utter faith in the divine. Um, 
or in his heavenly father. Um, and so he was not a miracle performer is what I, a miracle worker is what I've come to understand. However, he was just an instrument or a tool or an example of what was possible with having faith in God. And so these people still coming to him to perform these miracles and heal and heal and do this and do that. He's getting annoyed because he's like, if you only understood, you could literally do this yourself. Like call your brother, bro. Like stop coming to me. Like it's a thousand of you. Imagine being like, I'm not, um, Dang, words are not coming to me anymore. I'm not entirely um, shelled in. What's the word? Inch, introverted. Um, I'm not entirely introverted, except for I am. So I, I come off as extroverted. However, I like my space and my peace. And so like, I remember doing personality tests and people would be super surprised. Like, what? Because it would come out that I um, have more like introspective, introspectively, I'm more of an introvert. Um, and people are always surprised when that, when they learn that, because if you talk to me, if you <laughs> approach me, it would seem as if I'm extroverted. Um, I'm just a nice person. I'm caring of other people. I'm considerate of people around me, of the environment. However, I still like my space. Um, and I feel like that was Jesus. Like, if y'all don't stop coming to me, bro, like every time I go to separate myself, every time I go to try to find some peace and just pray and be quiet, y'all keep coming and bothering me. And like, you, if you understood the power of prayer, the power of having faith, like, then you would understand you do not have to bother me, like leave me alone. So I understood, I understood that. And like, I appreciate the, those verses um, a little bit more than I have ever, ever appreciated them. Um, and then in verse 26, this is changing topics now. Um, Jesus is talking about temple taxes and paying them. Um, and so he was asked, um, about paying temple taxes. Um, and then Jesus asked Peter, or Jesus asked Peter, um, do kings tax their people or the people they, or like their own people, or do they tax the people they have conquered? The obvious response is that they tax the people that they have conquered. Um, and so that makes you think, are we even a free people if we're always obligated and bound by these taxes and things that we have to pay? Um, and so like there's a fog of, or this disillusion that we are actually free individuals living, living in a free enterprise country or whatever, um, or that we have our own rights. And because we don't, because the moment we don't pay our taxes, the moment like we try to commit tax fraud, like we're having to face some kind of penalty. Um, so like we ourselves by actively participating in these systems um, are binding ourselves um, to that which is outside of God's will. And it's not to say that it's outside of God's will. It's just to say that if we are truly free people, we should not be obligated um, to make these payments um, to another source for that which we have produced, right? Um, so Jesus is clearly an anti-capitalistic messenger. Um, and 
yeah, there's just a lot about our world today that needs to be changed or about if it, if it doesn't need to be changed, then we all need to change the way in which we consider ourselves. Honestly, a free, a free people would not have to pay these taxes. Um, a free people would not have to be subjugated to reporting to somebody else. Um, so that's just something interesting to think about. <laughs> um, and then when we get to chapters or chapter 18, um, verses like one through 10, Jesus is talking about like the greatest and the least in the kingdom. Um, and this is where like, this is not where, this is one of the many places where um, the emphasis is on having like a childlike faith and coming with um, childlike expectations as in pretty much just a blank, just blank, right? Blank mind, empty it all out. You don't know anything, act like a child, which is kind of what I'm doing now. Um, not even kind of, it's definitely what I'm doing now. Um, just because I want to genuinely learn from a position of knowing and not just like, I want to learn in a way in which I can actively live my life out in this way. If this is the faith system that I choose to believe in. Right. Um, and so he's talking about all of this and, um, my favorite verse was verse six. And he says, but if you cause one of these, or, okay, we'll go to verse five. Um, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it will be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I really, 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 really love that verse because there are so many self-righteous people. There are so many people who, through their religious, supposed religious righteousness, that they turn people away and turn them off from the word of God um, and from participating in like godly work um, and having godly communities, right? Um, and so I love that verse because like for me, I stopped going to church because of the like, pettiness, like the shystiness of like pastors and first ladies and then like bishops and like important church families. Like it's always shady and shysty and it's like that turned me off. And so sometimes like now I'm like, dang, I feel bad for y'all because I'm a spirit who so many people either intentionally or unintentionally turned me off to learning and diving deeper into the word of God. Um, and so then it also makes me want to correct myself and, or not correct myself because I actively try to not be overbearing in my beliefs um, and that I don't want another person to feel that their beliefs are wrong, right? Because I truly believe God is a God who speaks to everyone <laughs> in a way in which they would best understand. And so I don't think there's any difference between my God and the Hindu God, mostly because God was speaking to a culturally different people. Um, so they came up with this. There was just a misunderstanding, I think, somewhere along the way um, in the divine source and who was speaking and maybe not a misunderstanding. It's just that like different cultures have different names, right? Like not everyone calls snow, snow. <laughs> so different cultures have different names, but that's not to say it's not the same being. Um, and so... I 
am like, okay, how now do I not turn away other people um, from God, just the spirit of God, the word of God, like the, and the will of God? How do I not turn other people away from this um, while actively still holding firm to my faith and my belief system? Um, because under like that belief that um, there's really not too many differences between um, the different religions. With that belief, it's easy to kind of be, um, what's it, like permissive or um, like permeable. Um, and so it's it, it's easy to kind of water down your own faith to accommodate somebody else's. And that's also not what I want to do. Um, so now, like after having really like, just like, I feel that I've thoroughly come to a, a different level of understanding. Um, now my challenge is how do I not turn away those who are like children who don't completely understand, but also not um, trade on my faith, right? So that's really, um, that was really interesting to me. Um, and then we move on to chapter 19. Um, and then chapter 19 starts again with this topic of divorce. And I just really, really, really don't understand. Um, and so <laughs> um, I really like, you know, how he talks about the joining of marriage and how you, you're not to split what God has brought together um, and the oneness and the unity of this um, relationship. I really enjoyed that. Um, however, what goes on? Um, they were asking about like the law of Moses and how um, the, in the law there is permission for man and or for a man to divorce his wife. Um, and Jesus says that like these laws, certain laws. So now it's important to go back and analyze these laws or the Torah. Um, some of these laws were only written to uh, appease you as a people um, because you all wanted to be like everybody else culturally and like you wanted to have these rights and you wanted to do this, that, and a third. And that's that was not intended in God's will. It was just to shut you up and to kind of make you feel better. Um, and so that is like a point where the religion itself was tweaked to please people. Um, and that's one of the very specific ways um, which Jesus comments on. But now it's got my brain spinning like, dang, do we go back and consider which laws were God's will, which ones weren't? But we don't have to because Jesus says which ones are the most important ones and which ones aren't. But to me, it's just interesting um, what was um, added in to God's will in order to make or to to package right this religion and these behavioral um, expectations, in order to package this a little more pretty, um, to be more acceptable to these quote unquote chosen people um, of God's. So I just oh, my brain's just spinning, and I'm like, ah. like honestly, I probably could be a biblical scholar. Not going to say that I eventually won't be a biblical scholar. I'm probably like a nascent biblical scholar at this point. But um, I really am just interested in a crap ton of other things as well. Um, and I just, yeah, it's all, it's all just great, right? So 
Yeah. Um, but then in the same, like as he's saying that this was added in um, to, to please people, in verse nine, he says, and I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. And that makes absolutely no sense. Like adultery is adultery no matter what. <laughs> I just feel like sleeping with another person, it doesn't, like you can't unjustify that or like re-justify it in a different way. Like if the whole point is to keep people from being with a thousand and five hundred people then or like to keep them morally um better i don't want to say better on a higher moral ground than other people um if that's the point then why like everything's just so directed towards like getting men off the hook <laughs> and women are always like this evil agent and it's like women can never get off the hook like y'all get off the hook all the time or not y'all men get off the hook all the time and it's like even god even god's messenger makes it okay like what like yeah it's crappy that your wife cheated on you but what it does like if if you cheat on me like as a if you as my husband cheat on me and i get remarried am i then committing adultery or is it okay for me as a woman to go ahead and remarry because you cheated on me it has to be on both sides i think of the coin um in order for it to be valid like if these aren't valid things if they only excuse men and not the women and that's truly how i feel um, and then we get to uh, verses, hmm, I don't know if I want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, so we go through verses um, 16 through 20 in chapter 19. Um, and he's giving this parable about a rich man, or not 16 through 20, 16 through 30. He gives this parable about a rich man. Um, and this, I linked it back to verses 10 and 11 in the same chapter, um, as far as like what, how I would go about praying, um, or like a specific prayer in which I would have. And so what I mean by that is that in, um, verses 17 and 18, um, Jesus says, I'm just going to read it, um, cause I have to just. Yeah. So in verse seven, in verse 17, Jesus says, why ask me about what is good? Um, Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you receive eternal life, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And then he goes on and tells you which commandments um, are the ones that are most important, which ones you should um, keep above everything else. And it's not to murder, not to commit adultery. Um, don't steal you're not to testify falsely and you're supposed to honor your mother and father and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and then you're also supposed to like, um, yeah, that's really it. So these are the commandments, which Jesus says are most important, which are directly in line with God's will um, for his chosen people. And then um, he says, um, if you want to be perfect though, if you want to be perfect, you need to sell all of your possessions um, and give your money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Um, and then, like the, once you do all of that, there should be nothing else left for you to do but to follow God um, or His messenger or His chosen leader 
over um, you and your chosen path, right? Um, and so I just really, really, so like this is all in the parable of the rich man. So then he goes on and he's talking about a rich person who um, wouldn't give up his possessions to enter into the kingdom of God. Like when it came down to it, because he was so um, wrapped up in all of his possessions and because the rich man probably more than likely identified himself more so by what he had versus who he actually was, um, he it, it's, it was hard for him to give up his possessions. And so he chose to keep his possessions um, and live a blessed life while here on earth, right? Um, but he gave no cares about his um, next life or his eternal life. Um, and so like for that, um, my like verse 30, um, Jesus says, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be greatest then. And this is like all in conversation of like those who um, don't want to give up their property, those who are super rich now, super blessed living like all of this, you know, the Instagram life, um, all of these people who are living in this way, um, so linked and tied to their attachments, these people will be the lowest of the low um, in due time. And all of these people who have lived these pious lives, which um, it's, you know, very easy to just say like, oh, the rich are corrupt and the poor are the most faithful. And like, it's very easy to say these things, but um, really he's just saying those who are low, it is easier for them to accept this demand of giving up everything um, because they don't have much. Um, and I think it's crazy. Like if I were rich and I knew that I could easily get new possessions, like anytime I wanted to, yeah, let me just give it away. Like if I got rich once, I can get rich twice. Are you crazy? Like if it happened to me, if I was able to do it once, there is no way I'm not able to do it 700 more times, right? So like I, for me, like if I were in a position where I had to do all of this, um, I think it would be easy for me, but then um, I'm not in that position. I'm always in a position where, or I'm not always in a position, I am working on not saying that I am, I am anything that is not what I want, right? Because there is so much power in the I am. Um, so I have always found myself in a position of coming from lack um, and holding on desperately to anything that I have um, and stressing, like, how can I keep this? How can I keep this? Because I've I just have never had much. Like, I don't come from much. Um, nobody around me has much. Like, you know, like, I don't see these great and, like, happy-go-lucky stories. Like, that's not relatable to me. Um, so in the position that I'm in, I feel that it would be harder for me um, to let go of my possessions. Like if somebody told me, if you give up your car today and just decided to walk everywhere you're going in 10 years, you will be, you know, in a far better position than you could ever imagine. Um, it, it like, You'd have to do a lot of convincing for me because for me, my car is very valuable. It's a necessary object. I don't know many people here. Um, I don't know many dependable people here. Um, and like public transportation at this point in um, history seems kind of 
out the window for me and my health. <laughs> um, so like, that would be like a crazy proposition for me. Um, but that is telling me that I'm probably more aligned with the rich man in this story than the lowly people. Um, and so I need to check my faith and my, um, where my heart is like, cause where your heart, there's your treasure also where your heart is there. Your treasure is also something like that. That's the verse. Right. And I'm like, my heart should probably be more based in on uh, set on the kingdom of heaven and not so much on my earthly and worldly possessions. Um, so I like how through this reading, I am um, coming to more of like a position where I'm recognizing I'm not so holy. I'm not so um, in tuned with God's will as I thought I was. Um, and that's that should be appreciated. A lot of people don't like that tension of, um, I'm not exactly who I thought I was, but I like that tension because it gives me an opportunity to become the woman who I know I'm so destined to be, um, who I know I already am. Um, I just need to learn how to fully express that um, and so my prayer in this section, um, re again, remember, I found that there was a linkage between verses 10 and 11, and then this section of 16 and 30, um, uh, the story about the rich man. Um, and so verse 10 and 11, Jesus's disciples, or, you know, they're talking about divorce or whatever. Um, and Jesus's disciples are saying, like, it's better to not even get married. Like if we have to go through all of this drama and there's so many stipulations and da da da, it's probably way better to not get married. And like Jesus goes through this whole thing. Like there are certain people who don't get married, these eunuchs. Um, there are these people. Um, however, for the average person, um, not everyone can accept that statement that it's probably easier to not get married. <laughs> you don't need that kind of companionship. Um, and so Jesus says, only those whom God helps um, can like have this firmness in their belief um, and stand on the on their word that I'm not going to get married or I'm not going to do this or I am going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You know, like only those who God helps um, can they really have the full conviction and act it out. Um, and so my prayer was that like where where I found a prayer is um, to pray for God to help me in loosing loosing loosening <laughs> my ties. Um, so like I don't know how the saying exactly goes, but like if you find yourself um, tied down by like you know your bills and like whatever else you feel tied to, um, if you feel that is a hindrance to your life, then you know loosen your ties, have less ties. Um, and so my prayer or the linkage that I found in this was my prayer was um, for God to give me the strength and to give me the assistance um, in becoming this kind of person who has more faith, um, who is more able to rely on his provisions and not the provisions of my own hands um, and like what I can um, see, like my tangible uh, provisions. Um, okay, so <laughs> enough on that. Um, then we get to chapter um, 20. And a question that I have and something that's really annoying to me is um, in verse 20, um, James and John's mother <laughs> 
um, came to Jesus and she asked him um, to let her two sons sit um, on the right and the left side of him. Um, and then, you know, Jesus tells her, like, you're tripping. You don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I can't, I have no control over that. You don't even know. Like, you still have no understanding. So he kind of goes off on her. Um, but then afterwards, um, the disciples, like the other disciples, uh, they get upset with James and John. <laughs> um, and they said, Oh, so we get to verse 24 and it's like when the other 10 disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. And I'm like, are y'all stupid? Like literally a couple verses ago, it said that their mother asked. So why did the text switch that as if they intentionally asked? Um, or like maybe it was like a miscommunication that the other 10 disciples, they weren't there. Um, and they just assumed that it was James and John that asked instead of um, their mother having been the person to ask. Um, so I'm like, I don't understand because it's really stupid. Like if I were Jesus, I would literally look at all of these people and be like, y'all are the dumbest individuals I've ever chosen to surround myself by. Like you're, you're mad at the wrong people. You were feeling some type of way and they didn't even make the request. Like, but that's not Jesus. And you know, that should probably be my heart as well. <laughs> um, but then he talks about um, like leadership. And I had a prayer um, again, like this was a prayer for the kind of leader that I want to be um, or the kind of leaders that I want to be surrounded by. Um, and so I'm finding myself now in a position where I am entirely fed up with those who are in leadership positions over me. I feel as though the people who have managed me have been my bosses. I feel as though they are just not good at being leaders. Like they are just terrible. And so that's an easy complaint, but then it's like, okay, now I'm in a position where I, the world is literally my oyster. Like things suck, but the club could go up at any minute, right? Like it could be a Tuesday and the club's going up. Like <laughs> even if it's Saturday, club's going up. Like, so like, I'm very grateful to have found myself in this position, even though it's like a sucky overall situation. Um, but now I have come to the belief that there's no way that I would ever be satisfied working for anyone ever again, unless they are the kind of leader who I envision them, who, who I would feel comfortable working under, um, the kind of leader that I feel a leader should be, which like that's just like the unless like that's a small caveat because honestly I don't want to work for somebody ever again I think it's stupid like especially with this position that we're in um if I work for somebody else and this happens again or the country shuts down or whatever like I'm gonna find myself without a job and taking government hands out handouts again and like that's it's just not smart I don't think um I think I should rely more on myself, um, on, on my faith, on my God, um, I think I should be more self-sufficient, um, that my world is not coming to a halt if the world comes to a, a halt, right? Um, so my prayer is that um, from verses 25 through 28 in chapter 20, it's to be um, this kind of leader. And so um, this is the, how the text goes. Um, but Jesus called them all together. And this is after they're pissed at James and John for supposedly asking Jesus. Um, Jesus calls them together and says, 
you know that the rulers in this um, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus is like this quintessential leader. Um, and, you know, as a kid learning these things in church, like, cool, cool, cool. You guys are just saying these cliches, shut up. Like, you're not even speaking to my heart to my to where i would maybe understand like what are you okay but now as an adult coming from this position of learning um <laughs> now i understand like okay at my last job which was at this restaurant here um i complained and complained and complained and complained when we would get busy and have super rushes um management would not help and if they would help they have never they would never they are the kinds of people who found themselves lucky enough to just inherit a business and inherit money, um, having never been forced to do the work, right? So when they would help, they were never servers. They were ne they never dealt with people um, front, like front on. Um, and then on top of that, they were Asian, um, like, and there's this whole cultural difference. So as soon as like they talk to these people, I live in the South, so there's a whole bunch of like, rude things that come out of people's mouths once they hear once they would hear some of my manager's accents um, and like their expressions and things. So it wasn't, they weren't the best kind of leaders for um, that industry. Not to say that they're terrible leaders and terrible people, but for the restaurant business and for the restaurant industry, um, they're terrible for that. Um, and so when we would get busy, because they never served, they never um, actually worked in a restaurant, they sucked at helping. Like it would make everything worse. <laughs> like if you felt like you were um, in the weeds or like slowing down because, or you're not moving fast enough for your tables because you're like, you have a thousand tables and you ask a manager for help, you're probably gonna find yourself like in a worse position, like with your tables pissed off at you now, like crazy things. Um, sorry if you hear like this sound, my apartment, like, Honestly, you can hear everything in these apartments. And there's a leaf blower. There's a guy with a leaf blower outside right now. Um, and he's like right in front of my apartment. So that's pretty annoying. Um, but on we go. Um, so yeah, verses 25 through 28 just gave me the prayer of um, the kind of leader that I would want to be as in, I never want to be a leader who, who doesn't have the hands-on experience. Um, I never want to be someone who can't help those under me. And honestly, I really don't want to have those. I want everyone to be more entrepreneurial minded, to have to be self-sufficient enough in themselves. Um, so that's just my dream. Um, but in the event that I am a leader, and even if it's leading people how to be more self-sufficient, um, I never want to be a person who is not willing to also help um, to get in and do the work myself. Um, so yeah, that's the prayer I have for that. Um, actually, I'm just going to stop this right now and come right back, like maybe when he stops. But this is pretty annoying. So I'll be RB. <laughs> okay, so the guy has left his leaf blower <laughs> outside. So I'm assuming he's coming back soon. So hopefully I can finish this up um, before he makes it back. Let's go. 
I only have a little bit left to get through. Um, yeah, so I did the leadership thing. Um, and then, all right, now we're in chapter 21. Um, and verse 11, <laughs> the Jews or the Jewish people at the time or these people, like Jesus is um, entering into, um, he's approaching Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, so he's making his procession to Jerusalem. Um, and like these people, like I'm assuming they were Jews um, or culturally Jewish Um these people were celebrating um, his arrival and like it's a great grand old celebration and procession and like a big old show. Oh, I think he has a lawnmower. That's so rude. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But um, they, you know, were super happy. And um, in verse 11, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus. Um, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Um, and so <laughs> even while he was there explaining to them who he was and what he was doing, um, they never truly gave him or like recognized him um, as the Messiah. Um, they just thought he was a prophet like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Obadiah and all of the other ones. Um they just assumed he was just another prophet um, and that like, yes, he was a prophet, but he was so much more as well. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Um, something that pissed me off again is me um, getting out or me actually learning the things that church never taught me. Um, so when I was a kid, I went to this church um, and it was pretty old school. Episcopal, I think. Uh, no, uh, what was it? Kogit, Kogic. I don't know how you say the pronouncing, but Church of God in Christ. Um, and apparently that's its own kind of denomination. Um, first of all, I just want to break off and say this whole research, <laughs> this whole thing that made me want to start reading the Bible is because my ideas and my questions kept telling me you need to zero it down, get more simple, get more basic, get more basic. Um, so one of my very first research projects that I put myself on uh, was trying to understand why there were so many denominations, because when I came out of high school and came out of like having to go to church often, um, I would just say like when people would ask me what I what my religious affiliation was, I would say I was a Christian. And they're like, oh, well, do you go to a Baptist church? I moved to the South. So I guess denominations are super important in the South. Um, I don't really know. But People would ask what denomination you are. Um, do you go to a Baptist church? Are you more um, Episcopalian? Do you like, I don't know even all of the denominations. I just know there's so many. Um, and then I wanted to know why there were, why there were so many. Um, and can't really get to that answer if I don't even understand what these founders of these denominations, what, what they believed, what, how they came to their understandings. So I um, then wanted to understand like the difference between Catholicism, Christianity, and Judaism, because to me, they're all the same religion. They all came from the same foundings. Um, but these are three completely huge and separate religions. Um, so I wanted to know the difference um, between the three and I couldn't get any sufficient information because I didn't know enough. Like I just assumed that I knew. Um, and so anyways, right, 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 right. Back on track. So the thing that pissed me off is that 
in verse nine, like in the previous verse, um, as he's doing the procession and these people are celebrating him, they are singing out or crying out, shouting, um, praise God for the son of David, um, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, praise God in highest heaven. And when I was a kid and I went to this church, we would always, always, always sing. It's like one of my favorite church songs because um, it's so happy and like free spirited, easy moving kind of. Um, so um, the song went like, I'm not going to really sing it, um, it, but it said like, Hosanna, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Like, and okay, I'm shouting this out, singing this, clapping my hands, shaking tambourines, organs going, people are fainting, running around the church. Like it's a grand old time, right? Have no clue what the heck it is that I'm singing. Um, and so like, I didn't know that Hosanna was the word for praise God um, or like save or save. Literally what it says in the biblical notes is that it's an ex exclamation of praise that literally means save now. Um, and so that's what we were singing in church. Hosanna, like, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Come and save me. Like, I'm giving you my blessings. Now I, I'm recognizing you as my salvation or as my savior. Um, save save me now, now. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that as a kid. And those are things that, like, you just don't get taught. Like, it's like you learn all of these praise and worship songs, and that's great. But who cares about what they actually mean, what you're actually singing? Um, and so I just like that a lot of my um, learning is coming from um, songs of praise and worship that uh, I would have to sing or my experience of having been in the choir and moving people so much. And I had no clue what I was actually singing about. Um, so I, I'm just really liking um, this part of my brain that is like, oh my goodness, you didn't learn this, you didn't learn this. And like, I just assumed that I knew and I'm really appreciating that like, it's so easy for me to just accept that I didn't know and that I I still can learn. Like I still, it's not too late. Um, so yeah, but it did piss me off that like, I grew up singing this song in church, having no clue. And like nobody in church thought it was necessary to teach what the heck it is that we were singing about. Um, but yeah, nothing too big. <laughs> Um, then we get to verses 12 through 17, and this is my favorite scene of Jesus. <laughs> this is where he goes to the temple, um, and he sees the people like, uh, you know, like making trades or, ah, he came back with the leaf blower. <laughs> um, but this is the scene where we see people, um, like, having like kind of like a market in the temple um and jesus is not having any of it he like flips tables he's like what the heck are y'all doing like he comes for these people's mouth or necks um and i really liked these verses because this is like like in my notes I'm just going to say what my notes say, and this is not PG. Um, my notes literally say it's like an asterisk um, for verses 21 or chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. And then right next to it, it says in all caps, um, G shit, like gangsta shit, exclamation point, came, fuck shit up and left. And that's literally what Jesus did. Like he came, he was like, y'all are tripping, first of all. 
doing everything wrong or against my God. And he was like, I'm not having it. And I don't care what y'all think about it. I'm about to flip tables and ha- cause a scene. And guess what? You're not about to do anything about it. I'm about to walk out of here. Like, what you going to do? And that's what he did. And I was like, dang, like he came and bossed up on these people. Like he's been passive the whole time. And he came up in there and bossed up on it. And I really love that. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the leaders, they asked Jesus. Um, yeah. Okay. So then we get to verse uh, 27. And um, this Jesus is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were challenging Jesus the entire time that he was alive and spreading his message. Um, they were challenging his authority. And um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you didn't know, they are the religious leaders, um, major religious sects um, of the Jewish population at this time. So this is like into, this goes into my questioning of different denominations, because this would be like a different denominations. Pharisees and Sadducees, they're all Jewish, but they have like something that is different in their belief systems. So having different denominations has been something that's a part of the religion literally from the beginning. Um, I just don't know why. So that's why I'm on this journey. (laughs) But these people are challenging Jesus's authority. um, And he in return challenges their authority um, or not their authority, their understanding. Um, and so he asked them um, a question and he said, um, did John's authority as in John the Baptist, did John's authority come from heaven or was it merely human? And the religious leaders, they understood that this was like a trick question because if they said that um John's authority, who was supposedly the forerunner of Jesus, um, if John's authority came from heaven, um, then they will be questioning as to why they didn't believe in him and give legitimacy to his messages while he was still alive. Um, because John got beheaded by King Herod Antipas uh, because his daughter wanted John's head on a tray. So <laughs> he was beheaded in prison. Um, and so they, the, the, Y'all, <laughs> I'm cracking up. I literally just got shook, like handshaking and everything. Um, nobody ever comes and knocks on my door. And I just got shook. Somebody knocks on my door. And I was like, who the heck's at my door? So sorry if this is like a, um, there's like an awkward break <laughs> in what I was just talking about um, and me coming to resume that conversation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of shook me. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, this, these religious leaders, they have challenged Jesus and they are aware that if they say that um, John the Baptist got his authority from heaven, um, then the question in return would be, why didn't they believe in him while he was still here? Um, and so the only alternative would be to say um, that he was just a uh, human without like, like he was just moving um, and spreading a message that was not divinely ordained. His power did not come from God. Um, and so they that would be the only alternative to saying that it wasn't, that his power wasn't heaven sent. Um, and so with this as the alternative, they knew that they couldn't say that outright because um, 
of the huge following that John the Baptist had. And so if they said these things outright, um, matter of factly, then they knew there would be some backlash for um, this statement like some huge backlash. And if you don't know anything about the Jewish population, this is a rioting group of people, like especially at this time, anything you say, do, look at whatever. If it's not <laughs> what these people want, they're about to turn it up. Like so, so much so that like other kingdoms, whenever they would try to conquer Jewish people and Jewish populations, it would be like, it's like a half conquer. Like, yeah, we conquered you. You're under our domain, but like, please just don't get too crazy. So they would just allow them to still, that's why the Jewish religion is so intact because other kingdoms would just allow the Jews to just be the Jews. Like they didn't have to assimilate into like these big kingdoms because the kingdoms uh, the leaders of these kingdoms and empires learned that trying to make these people assimilate is not good. Like it's more of a problem for you <laughs> than it is for the Jews. Um, they're fine with dying for their cause. Like, are you fine with spending all of this money and killing all of these valuable troops <laughs> on this group of people um, just because you wanted to expand your empire? So the religious leaders are well aware of um, well aware of this. And so their response to Jesus is that they don't know where John the Baptist got his authority from. And so Jesus <laughs> responding to them says, well, if you want to act like you don't know where John the Baptist got his authority from, then I'm not even going to tell you where I get mine. Um, and so it was really, it stood out to me because like what I got of that, what I got out of that is that if you choose ignorance, then you will always remain in the dark. Um, sorry if it's super loud again. He's literally right outside of my window <laughs> um, blowing grass. So anyway, um, but if you choose ignorant, then you will truly remain in the dark. And that's what's in my notes. Um, and I just really thought that was interesting because there's so many um, prophetic words so many messages from God through the prophets telling them, um, you know, like it's your, it is your responsibility to send the messages that I um, tell you to send. However, it's not your responsibility to, to make people understand and know and fully believe, right? But it's, it is your responsibility to at least speak on my truth that I'm giving you. Um, and so like that, okay, so I, coming from a position of how do I form my, like how I want to be a leader. Um, I've just like been absorbed with the thought of how do I openly and honestly um, reveal these messages or at least how I feel that God has speak, spoken and moved through me um, while also staying true to the message that he gave me without trying to package it pretty or, or beautifully so that somebody else would accept it. Right. Um, and you know, that's all that can even be outside of the religious context. Um, and so when I got to this verse of Jesus saying that he won't tell them, um, where he gets his authority because they chose to remain in ignorance or pretend to be ignorant, um, 
for me, it was like, okay, now like I get the complete, the opposite side of the picture. Um, it just completes the picture for me. Like it's your responsibility to spread this message, but it's not your responsibility to make sure that um, people will understand if what they're choosing is not to understand. Um, and so, yeah, that was really interesting to me. Um, also, Jesus is like a mind reader, apparently. So like he knows their motives and hearts and things. So he was never going to tell them where he got his authority from anyway, because they were never going to admit um, that John the Baptist's authority came from heaven. Um, so I liked that. Um, in verse 29, just a few verses down in chapter 21, um, I got that um, you've sometimes, so this is like a parable of like these two sons who the father, he sends out to go do some work or whatever. Um, and he tells both of his sons to go out. The first son says no, but then he later changes his mind and goes out. Um, the second son says yes, and he did not go out. So he was lying. Um, he just wanted to appease his father in that moment. And so for verse 29 in my notes, I put um, like with exclamation points, like coming at this hours later, I don't understand why it was super important to me, um, but whatever. Um, I put I put a note saying to check yourself. And what I'm thinking my thoughts were at 6.30 in this morning was that um, just because you say no doesn't mean that you can't change your mind. Like check yourself and your attitudes um, towards doing something for somebody else, towards helping them, towards um, being of assistance and, you know, go out, go ahead and do the work. So that's like... Um, like when people ask me, oh, can you do me a favor automatically? I'm like, oh, no, like, are you asking me for something? Uh, but then, you know, like I change my attitudes and like nine times out of 10, I'll be like, I got you, like, whatever. Let me just get over myself. Um, so I'm thinking that's where my thought process was this morning. Um, but, you know, 6.30 me is not the same as 3.30 me. <laughs> um, anyway. So earlier, I know earlier, I said something about the power of um, saying who you are, um, actively claiming who you are in the, like the power of the I am. Um, and so in chapter 22, yeah, in chapter 22 now, um, there in verses 31 through 32, um, so only two verses, there is, let me just read it. Um, but now as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the scripture? Um, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living and not the dead. And so um, this was like, this stood out to me because like this whole portion is, um, talking about resurrection and the possibility of having come back from the dead. Um, and Jesus is, he's still in like a, a period of disbelief, I guess, of like, are y'all crazy? You still not understanding the message that I've come to say. Um, so he is breaking it down for them even more. And so in verse 29, he says, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Powerful enough itself. Like he's telling the religious leaders, you need to restructure um, what you think you know. Um, which is what I'm doing right now. 
uh, because I recognized that I didn't know. And I recognized that I could never know the power of God if I don't even understand who God is. Um, and so, yeah, but anyway, uh, he tells them that, and then he goes on and like gives him this example of God claiming who he is. Um, and because God claims who he is they're like, he's, he, he's, God claims that he is this God of these patriarchs, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because he claims that regardless of the fact that they died and were buried, um, he is the God of a living God, because you can't be the God of something that no, lo, no longer exists. Um, so like, if it's my belief that Abraham is a hundred percent dead, um, he will never return from the afterlife. Um, he is just a hundred percent shut out and in darkness eternally, uh, or whatever <laughs> the afterlife looks like. Um, if that's my belief, then I believe that God is not a God of the living dead. He is the God of only those who are alive at that moment. And once they die, um, there's nothing to be ruled by. Um, except for God is a God of the entire universe of all physical laws and metaphysical laws. Um, and so, yeah, I just really um, appreciated that because here's God and then Jesus um, reinforcing this, but here's God illustrating the immense power of claiming who you are. Um, so like, if I like, it's just powerful, right? <laughs> I don't know, do some research into um, the power of I am. Um, and then it like that, even that, that I, I kind of got into some new age stuff before I fully committed myself to just reading through the Bible and learning more about my faith um, from like right from the source instead of trying to look everywhere else. Um, but at first I kind of got into like some new age thinking an ideology and I am stood out to me so much. But then like from my learning in church, I um, remembered how people would be so moved when people would be like, isn't God the same God that said I am the I am or I am that I am. Um, and I just never understood that. But now I do. And it's like, once I like, okay, it's okay to come to understandings. Like if you're coming from a position of faith or belief, um, it's, it's okay to come to understanding um, from sources outside of like the religious context or your religious sphere, because um, God does move and speak through any and everyone. Um, he's going to send a message that is specifically for you um, in, the, in, the, in a way that only you could understand um, and maybe it's not only you or only people like you could understand. Um, and so for me, like opening the world of who you say you are is who you are. Um, and like quite literally. Um, so if I say I'm sick, um, I <laughs> then I'm sick. Like if I say I am a rude individual, then that is how I will go about acting out my life. Um, and so then it comes to like, recognizing who you say you are and who you believe yourself to be. Um, but like with all of that, I then recognized my own divinity, my own God-given humanity, like my own God-given identity. Like I am, like if God is the I am and I am making a claim of who I am, then I am actively putting whatever that claim is under God's domain. And so if nothing is impossible for God, um, 
then that claim is sh a surefire claim, you know? Um, so it just, getting into the concept of claiming who you are and um, the I am um, gave me <laughs> a better insight to how I self-identify. Um, so yeah, love that. <laughs> um, but anyways, I skipped over something in chapter 22, verse 14. Um, we're talking about a great feast. Um, this king sends out some messengers to invite people. Uh, the people don't want to come. They're like, I'm not participating in this. And so he then sends out messengers to just invite any old body and these people come. And um, the message, the verse, verse 14, uh, the king, he kicks somebody out because of like their appearance. Um, and in verse 14, the king says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Um, and again, I just like this thing about the appearance and how you present yourself. But um, yeah, like that goes into like my wanting to, you know, find more professional, more career driven jobs, except for my wardrobe is not professional um, in its appearance. And so for many are called, they put out these uh, postings that they're hiring, these jobs put out postings that they're hiring. I go to the interview, they have literally called me, let's schedule it, let's get it going. And then I don't get the job, but few are chosen. Um, and that's exactly what happens. And it's like, I am like this man who got kicked out of this great feast because I physically, like my appearance wasn't worthy enough um, to even be included. Um, and so, yeah, it just made me really think on some things. Um, and then, okay, we get to uh, verses 41 through 46 in chapter 22. Uh, and this is like, who, who's, who does Jesus belong to? Where does he come from? Whose son is the Messiah? Um, and so, he Jesus, like he is again um, being challenged or questioned by these religious leaders, and so he um, asked these religious leaders, um, "What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he?" Um, and then he responds, uh, or not he, the religious leaders respond that the Messiah is the son of David, um, and then Jesus tells them. Um, that there's no way that the Messiah could be the son of David if David recognized um, the Messiah as his Lord, as somebody who was in power over him. Um, and so my question, since there was this desperate attempt from the very beginning of Matthew, um, and then also like within like some of the Old Testament uh, prophecies, that uh, the Messiah or Jesus, um, even though he's not directly um, David's son, that he comes from the line of David, which makes him a son of David, um, you know, thousands of years down the line. And so Jesus, in saying this, my question was that, is Jesus denouncing his ties to the line of David? Um, 
And so I think that's a very important question. I think that's a very important section of the text. I think it's something that needs to be considered. I will probably do a lot of work um, in studying this because like the Jewish belief is that the Messiah hasn't um, come yet. Um, we're still waiting for his arrival. At least that's what I understand the Jewish belief to be. Are there two people out here with leaf blowers? They're going crazy out here. So sorry if you hear that. But anyway, I'm gonna finish it up. It's my last thing. Um, so the belief is that Jesus has, um, or the Messiah has not arrived and that Jesus was just a prophet. Um, and so this also goes into my earlier question when they did rec only recognize him as a prophet, um, is Jesus like the Messiah who Christians believe him to be as in like, uh, that the coming Messiah, the one who was predicted um, to sit on the right hand of God, was Jesus that, or was he was he just a prophet and a messenger um, of God's word? Um, because in this section, to me, it appears that he is separating himself completely from the line of David um, in order to say that he's not a son of David. Um, but then again, you know, I'm still doing some learning, so we'll see where that takes me. But anyways, if you have made it through all of this discussion and question and ranting. Uh, I hope you enjoyed some of my talking points. I hope this kind of makes you stretch your brain a little bit. Um, and tomorrow I will be back with day four of my 30 day dash. <laughs> I feel like that's like my best radio personality voice. Um, but tomorrow I'll be back with uh, Matthew chapters 23 through 20, um, 23 through 28. And that'll be me wrapping up the book of Matthew, which is probably the fastest I've ever read Matthew in my entire life, having come from church and things like that. Um, it, seems it seemed impossible to me in the beginning, but literally tomorrow I'll be through the first book of the New Testament. Um, so yeah, if you made it all the way through this, again, I wanna say thank you, shout out to you, love you, um, and I'll catch you again tomorrow. <laughs>